Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT. Because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises. From the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer. Which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Hello, this is the Redbox Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley and I'm not on a plane to anywhere. Coming up on today's episode is PMQ's Unpacked. Tim Shipman and I this week pausing the action from the House of Commons to analyse in real time the key exchanges between Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer. So that's coming up in just a moment. First though, as ever, we kick off with our columnist panel and today it's Alice Thompson and Patrick Kidd. The Columnists on Times Radio. Yes, at this time of the morning, we always speak to two of our favourite columnists. No Robert Cranston today, because he's away on a, some sort of secret mission. So instead, we've got Alice Thompson, as ever. Morning, Alice. Hi. And Patrick Kidd. Morning, Patrick. Hello, Matt. That jingle just makes me think of the um, Walkman and Wise sketch, you know, with the ambulance <laughs> that goes past. He says, they, they won't sell many ice creams going at that place. Exactly right. Exactly right. It takes me well, back actually, to Actually, I think Keir Starmer is Mr Whippy, isn't he, without the flake? I mean, that's his hair. He's got the hair, yes. Absolute the hair. The Buzz yeah. look. And, 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 and there's just vanilla. something missing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All, yeah, lots of hot air with no... Anyway, uh, politicians' as ice cream is lovely. Uh, let's talk about uh, Rwanda and the government's failure to uh, get the plane to take off, as if they couldn't have seen that that might have been happening. Um, Alice, I'm slightly struck this morning by uh, the sort of... The, 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 I don't know if it's faux outrage or not, but the sort of sudden uh, su- shock and surprise amongst Tory MPs and ministers that we are in the human European Convention on Human Rights, and this was probably always going to happen. So I think they wanted it to happen to a certain yeah, extent. Maybe. I particularly think that Number 10 did. I think they're whipping up these faux arguments because they are going into election mode. And actually, Boris looks happier when he's in election mode. He's not actually having to think, what do we want to do in Britain? And, yeah. and what, how, what are we going to achieve? What he's thinking is, how am I going to win the next election? And if he can split Labour on this and he can split the country on this, and he's doing it on other issues as well, like the strikes, you can see that he feels in an easier, better place yeah. for himself. So I don't think they care that they got no one on that flight. I don't think they care that it cost half a million quid. What it's signalling is not just to the people traffickers, but to the rest of the country, we're on one side and everyone else is on the other side, you know, just doesn't understand the issues. And, you know, actually, I think they're hoping that most people agree with them, that people should be sent to Rwanda, which, I mean, I deeply disagree 
with them on, but I can see where they're coming from now. There's a, it's, there's a risk, though, isn't there, that um, the public might start asking, well, you've been in government for 12 years now. Boris Johnson's been in government for three years. Um, at what point do they take responsibility for the state of the nation as as it is, rather than co constantly trying to reinvent, oh, we are the ones who are going to bring about change? But I think that's the only way they're going to win elections, isn't it? That's what Boris likes. He likes coming in and saying, I'm going to sort this out, you know, go with me and I'll sort out Brexit. He doesn't actually then want to sort it out. He's not going to be able to sort Brexit. So he's got to move on to the next issue, which is going to be immigration, which is all these other people haven't been able to sort immigration, leave it to me and I'll do it. And, and actually what happens is the more the judges are angry, the more, it, the more divisive it becomes, the more split the country is, the happier Boris always seems. He just likes chaos. Um, he, he, you don't need judges to make planes not take off. I mean, all you need to do is just book a flight to the Med, it seems. <laughs> and, uh, but it was, watching it last night, because they started with seven, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, a plane with seven people sounds ludicrous, a waste yeah. of money. Um, and maybe there's merit to what Peter Bone was saying in the Commons, that book, book 200 on it, that way as you whittle it down, at least you get a full plane. And it gradually knocked down. Seven became four, became three. And, and this was happening at the same time as England were having a disastrous football match. In, in, and someone said, who would have put money on England conceding more goals than the number of people that leave on that flight? <laughs> um, it, 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 it is barking, really, isn't it? But, you know, they have a new enemy, bishops now. Um, Tom Newton Dunn was, was tweeting that um, because the bishops said the policy is immoral, we're going to abolish bishops. Only a week after the Queen's Jubilee, yeah, we're yeah. now going to make her go back on her coronation pledge, it seems. Uh, but... The, the, and I suppose this is Boris Johnson all over. None of this is very conservative, is it? The Conservative Party go into war with bishops, with the church, with Prince Charles, uh, with judges. Yeah. No, not at all, but he doesn't mind that. That's not Boris, is it? I mean, what you always, we always say, oh, he's libertarian, or he's Tory, or he's this, or he's that. Actually, Boris is just trying to win for himself. In the end. We've got to understand that. And that he is looking at the next election, he's looking at the polls, and he thinks this, the Rwanda doesn't play as badly as some of the rest of us think. And actually... We end up with, a, I think, a, a sort of smaller, meaner, nastier country by pitching everyone against each other. Um, but he's hoping that he ends up in Downing Street again. But to do what? That's what... Nothing. I mean, he has no plan. That's the problem. Yeah. If he said, actually, we're, not, we're going to do this in Rwanda and it's a temporary solution and then we're going to do this, this and this, but we don't know what else he's going to do. I mean, they can't send, keep sending people to Rwanda and it's unbelievably expensive. And I think, you know, I, I feel that it just looks so bad on this country that we can't actually handle our own immigration yeah. situation. If, if anything else, I mean, I think that's what Boris should mind. And that's, you know, that we're so hopeless that we have to ship out all our issues and problems. So the numbers have trebled this year, and there's 10,500. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, which is and that's the point. Is it, if the, and I was making this point when I spoke to Craig McKinley, the Conservative MP, a bit earlier. If this was going to act as a deterrent, Boris Johnson announced this in April. And the numbers actually have gone up and up and up. If if the idea that if you came to the UK illegally in a boat, you might end up in Rwanda was a deterrent, we might have started seeing that effect. And actually, we've already, well, we're in what, mid-June? We've already surpassed where we were in August. Yes, and sending seven back isn't going to make no. much of it. No. Well, it's almost the worst, actually, that none have gone back. So actually, if you were a people smuggler, you'd look at it and think, well, that's deeply ineffective. Yeah. And you say to all the people that have paid vast amounts of money to try and get across the channel, well, actually, it's obviously not working. I guess the only hope is that people smugglers take up running government airlines. Because it seems that you make you make masses out of this. Because the, the, but if you're even if they sent seven back, if you are a desperate person trying to get to the UK or people smuggler uh, trying to make money out of this, you'd think well the odds are still pretty good. Seven versus ten and a half thousand, it's worth a go. But what my mind about is what the cabinet is saying. I mean, they yeah. must realise the cabinet that this is utterly insane. To spend the next two years with these kind of policies. And I suppose but the other the other problem is if it is the election is two years away. 
we will be able to see whether or not any of this stuff has worked. You know, there's, there keeps being a point where, and maybe this is where Labour can can attack it, not from a, you know, getting all knotted up with being lefty, ringing, hand-wringing judicial activists, whatever it is, but just say, this isn't working. You keep coming up with this mad stuff and it doesn't work. I think that's what they have to say is you have no plans, you have no policies, yeah. and they've got to come up with some of their own. That is the problem. That yeah. They need to have the alternative. They need to work out exactly what they're going to do with immigration. And they don't need to say it in detail because the detail always trips you up, but they do need to come up with an alternative, I think. Well, it's, um, not, but there's another thing that Boris Johnson's um, uh, U-turn been all over the place on. Um, what to do about obesity? Because there was a point when we were all being put on a diet by Boris Johnson. I think essentially because he'd been put on a diet. Yeah. And he was like, well, if I'm going on a diet, the whole country can Well, he can't diet. have birthday cake, as we know. He's not allowed to eat that. He's not allowed to eat that. You know, he doesn't have four o'clock wine anymore. He doesn't have all those issues that, you know, cheese is cheese, his big one, as you know. The cheese, as we know, he said that the problem that he revealed yeah. a bit too much, he said the problem with working from home is that you... Nibble. Before you know it, you're, you're stood at the fridge mm. nibbling that block of cheese. And that's our problem, is that I think he tried going on a diet. He's hopeless at it. He yo-yos the whole time. So the rest of the country are now committed to yo-yoing the whole time. And our obesity rates are going up and they've really gone up, particularly among children, after the pandemic, because children were stuck at home. They weren't doing any sport. They weren't getting out. Um, there weren't many treats you could give them. And actually, with the cost of living issues, you, you do end up giving your children really cheap treats if you can, because there's so little you can afford often yeah. as with, with inflation that just giving them, you know, a Twix or a crunchy is a is a really nice way of saying you know I love you I care yeah. but actually in the long term it's not helping but them. it's sort of you know I can't afford a day out but I've bought, I bought yeah I've bought some chocolates instead you come home from work you're shattered you can't face cooking but actually yeah. you say to them you know I bought a bumper pack of crisps or yeah well I feel seen of course <laughs> <laughs> and being the, being the office fatty um, I, I found that everything has changed over the last couple of years you know my, my car Pair of petrol tank used to be able to accommodate fifty pounds worth of fuel. Now it accommodates hundred pounds. It's doubled in, in, in capacity, <laughs> and my shirts have shrunk because of COVID. Yeah, um, and 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 so I think there needs to be scientific investigation. No, I, look, I, I am overweight drastically and need a lot of weight. I'm not sure what would make it do it. I'm not sure getting rid of two for one offers or Marks and Spencers olives or anything like that. But I have noticed the um, the calories they now put on menus, which I think is obligatory. Yeah. Um, and I've, certain, I think the companies mm. have got a certain number of employees. So it's not very small places, but most places. Yeah, and so I, I went into a pub recently that had a proper printed menu and everything on there had the calories and the person I was with and I gulped to this. And then we went for the lowest calorie, which was still a thousand calories. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes you think, but... Um, but I, I like qu- the Japanese. I mean, I do think... Yeah, so this is the point you've written your column today saying that we should be more Japanese. Yeah, I mean, weirdly, I always think, well, that no one can get it right. It's impossible to lose weight. But what the Japanese did is they just did it collectively. So after the war, they really, you know, the, the Second World War totally destroyed all their infrastructure, destroyed everything. But and they, they started off with having so little food that the Americans had to subsidise it all. But then they quite quickly got overweight because they were eating very American foods. So they had the Twinkies, they had the burgers, they had the fries, and the country was putting on weight. And they stopped it. I and mean, they are now pretty much the thinnest westernised nation in the world. And they, they stopped putting on weight because they decided to do it collectively. So they paid for all school meals, but they made them local so everyone had to have the same meal. So you went into school and you ate the same bento box. Parents did the same. It was all rice and vegetables and fish. And then they weren't allowed to have snacks. And then even more recently, in the 80s, they then doubled down on that with the adults and said, right, you have to have a certain waist. So it was like men have to be sort of 33 inches and women have to be 34 inches. And, and if you're not, there's an issue. And what your company... Happens? Well, the companies can get sued if too many people are overweight. Really? Extraordinary, yeah. And so Amazing. they're just much tougher. They treat yeah, it yeah. like we treat smoking. In fact, they're less tough on smoking and more tough on food. But 
in a way, it's easier if you do it collectively. Yeah, yeah. Because they're all doing it together. They have much smaller portion sizes. Everything's geared to help you. That's what we need, Patrick. Everyone's coming to the office before we come in. But maybe maybe they should gradually make the turnstiles narrower and narrower. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, they have, have a thing in High Wycombe where Steve Baker is the oh, MP yeah. and the optimum, where they weigh the public servants. So they yeah. weigh the MP and they weigh the mayor and the councillors every year in the town square. They don't say what the weight is, but they've got the record of what it was the previous That's year. And he just says whether you're up or down. See if he's got fat on the... Yeah, um, yeah on the I gravy love that. I think because, yeah. of course, you know, none of us want to admit what, what we weigh. Um... Well, there's some readers, lovingly, whenever I'm photographed, do send me messages. A dear old Sylvia, who's an old chum of mine, is yes. always telling me I'm far too fat. <laughs> um, but, but you know, if we, when we walked in, we were weighed and it just said, oh, you put a pound on, but didn't say what you were. Yeah. That might make you think, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, but the Japanese don't actually weigh themselves. What's weird is that they don't go on weight or calories as much. They tend to go on looks, which I think is quite a good idea. They, if you look healthy and also on whether or not, yeah, yes, yeah. and they're worried about their health system. So for them, it's about whether or not they've got more diabetes, whether or not they've yes. got more heart disease, which may be the right way down of doing it is to is to actually be healthy rather than anything else. And, like and they this, do all look the same. I like this from a, from a country whose national sport is fat men in nappies running <laughs> hard at each other. Or maybe sumo do isn't popular. They, yeah. Maybe they ban sumo yeah. wrestling. No, maybe they, do they get a dispensation, do we think? Well, I suppose yeah, it'd be odd if the sumo association got fined because yeah. the people who worked there were too fat. Uh, just finally, Patrick, let's talk about cricket and what cricket can tell us about leadership. Well, it was a glorious day yesterday at Trent Bridge as England chased down one of the highest scores that they've ever made to, to, to win a test match. And yet this is effectively the same side that was pretty dreadful in, in the winter in Australia and the Caribbean. Um, almost the entire, the entire side. And what they did, they changed the coach and they changed the captain. Maybe coincidentally, they were both New Zealanders they brought in. And perhaps a change of leadership and change of ambition has come in. Because the, the, the match yesterday against New Zealand was pretty much the same score that they had to set last time to play New Zealand at Lords last year. And they didn't go for it. They got nervous. They, they, they thought, oh, it's too big. We'll just... And in here they thought, well, stuff it. Let's, let's have a go. Yeah. Risk nothing. And maybe that's what we need in, in, in politics um, with both parties is actually just, if not a change of leadership, then a change in attitude and think, let's do something. Well, do you know what? John has just been in touch saying, how do people opposed to, the, to Rwanda propose to deal with the NHS backlog, housing shortage, school places, lack of dentists? They have no answer other than to bash Boris for trying something different. But I, mean, I don't really understand that, John, because Boris Johnson doesn't really have a plan to deal with the NHS backlog, housing shortage, school places or lack of dentists either. I'm not really sure how all that also, hangs Also, we together. have got 1.4 million uh, job yeah, vacancies. vacancies, which we are going to need to fill at some stage, and if the British aren't going to do it. And actually, immigration has gone up loads. And in the, the latest immigration figures, net, Im net immigration is almost all being driven by um, uh, non-EU. So mm. the people who are, you know, uh, the people who are coming are coming from outside the EU. It's got nothing to do with Brexit. We need more people to fill the jobs, to do the jobs that nobody, you know, we're ploughing vegetables into fields, which we could be eating, which would make us healthier, but we're not because nobody put them. I don't even really know what the subject is. Everything is connected, but I don't know what the answer is. Well, I do think that we should go and have a low-calorie lunch and just thrash it out. That's what we yep. need. And also, I think asylum seekers should be allowed to work when they come over here because, actually, with the skills shortage, that's what you want them to do. I think it's extraordinary that we make everyone wait. But also, particularly because the sort of the the criticism of asylum seekers or you know people coming over here is sitting around you know not contributing, and actually, literally, that's what the system mm. forces makes them, them into. forces them into living off not very much money mm. from the state and not contributing anything. And it's Thompson to Patrick Kidd then. Of course, you can read him in The Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next is PMQ's Unpacked. Hold up. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. You're listening to the Red Box Podcast now. It's time for this. PMQ's Unpacked on Times Radio, unpacking the politics and cutting through the crossfire. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Tim Shipman. Uh, very good afternoon to you. It's Matt Chorley on Times Radio and on the Times Radio YouTube channel, joined in the studio by Tim Shipman. How are you? I'm very well. You missed a belter last week. It sounds like, um, yes, I would have had to get my claws out. I think. <laughs> uh, do join us on uh, on the YouTube channel uh, today. Good morning from upstate New York, says uh, someone. Good afternoon from... Uh, anyone from Sunny Yorkshire says Roy from Lima says John. Uh, hello from Brum says Mark. We've got people in Guildford and uh, Barcelona. It's hot Guildford in, and Barcelona. Guildford and Barcelona. Wow. They do say that Guildford is the Barcelona of, of Surrey. Surrey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's also very hot. Uh, let us know where you're watching along. Uh, uh, <laughs> John says I am in Sherwood. No murders this morning. I think that's a reference to there's a there's a new TV show by the excellent James Graham. By the excellent James Graham, of course. Uh, hello from Lithuania. So you're all on. You're That's all on. Probably my sister. <laughs> no, it's Martin. Uh-huh. Somebody called Martin. So anyway, let us know where you are. Uh, get on, like, go on, to, go on to the YouTube search times radio. Uh, what do you think Keir Starmer will choose today, Tim? Uh, well, that's very interesting because um, there's a lot he could go at. Um, he could have a go at the sort of Rwanda immigration stuff, but we know Labour doesn't much like Im- touching immigration. And there's a debate straight afterwards. A statement from the Home Secretary. He might want to get a clip in on that, but I suspect he'll look elsewhere. I mean, Northern Ireland, again, is an obvious kind of mess. But again, Brexit's dangerous terrain for the Labour Party. Um, The other dangerous terrain, as you commented at the top, was that he didn't do terribly well last week. And there's been a lot of excellent journalism since about people on the front bench of the Labour Party saying Keir Starmer's a bit boring. Um, So really... If he wants to sort of disprove some of that, he needs to nail uh, an issue quite well. And cost of living is still a sort of propitious area for the Labour Party, but he hasn't shown yet that he can do that pithily and succinctly enough to satisfy all those people who talk to you and Patrick Maguire about how badly he's doing. But you're right, this is a a biggie. I I did get a bit of a ticking off last night from what I think we'll describe as senior Labour sources uh, who um, insist that he's not boring and there is a plan. 
Excellent. Did they tell you what it is? No. Uh, well, let's find out. Maybe maybe Kirstar is going to reveal all now. Uh, he's not going to bore us to death. It's going to be lively. Uh, let us know what you think of it as you're watching along on YouTube. Uh, let's go live now to the House of Commons. It's PMQ's Unpacked and Keir Starmer's question number one. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, can, I, can I pay tribute to all those who served in the Falklands? My uncle was among them, serving on the HMS Antelope when it went down. Thankfully, he made it back, but too many serving in that war didn't. And we remember them all. Yeah. Mr Speaker, Britain is set for lower growth than every major economy except Russia. Why? Prime Minister. Mrs. Mrs. Speaker, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell him. Uh, Mr Speaker, actually, uh, we are going to have, according to the IMF and the OECD, we are, in addition to the fastest growth in the G7 last year, we're going to have the second fastest have the second fastest this year, and we will return to the top of the table, Mr Speaker. But the reason, Mr Speaker, uh, other countries are temporarily moving ahead is, of course, because we came out of the pandemic faster than they did, and because we took the right decisions to come out of, to come out of lockdown, which he opposed, Mr Speaker. Uh, and that's why, right now, Mr Speaker, we have the highest number of people on payroll employment on record, yeah, Mrs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there we are. That's a classic, isn't it? Yes. Uh, so, in fact, um, I, mean, I didn't realise we'd started a poll on the YouTube channel saying, what should Keir Starmer go uh, for? Uh, 61% saying cost of living, 27% said Rwanda, only 12% said uh, Northern Ireland. So uh, that's clearly where we're going. In our many conversations uh, with uh, Shadow Cabinet Ministers this week, um, when asking them what is the plan and how do you sum it, the, the word that everyone kept using was growth. Yes. That's the, that they, I mean, I think the, the risk with that is that nobody really knows what, normally we don't really know what that means. No, I think that's a, a, a problem with it. And, you know, it's all about the size of the economy getting bigger. Um, but yes, I think he, you know, he's, he's on his home turf. I think the good thing about that first question was that it was short and it was pithy and it was impossible to answer. Um, <laughs> Boris Which Johnson I, then answered it uh, with, you know, a range of uh, facts and, you know, I've got some different statistics. That's always a good plan when you're having <laughs> statistics thrown at you. We will go back to the top. It's a bit like sort of Everton management saying, yeah. you know, ne next we're not going to say when. It's all going to be different. Yeah, 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 but, you know, we'll do our best. Um, and then actually a reasonably plausible point that, you know, our growth zoomed, zoomed while theirs wasn't because we came out quicker and um, we've slowed down a bit and they're overtaking us. Um, I think uh, critics of the government would say the long medium and long-term uh, forecasts are not exactly overwhelming. The other interesting thing, of course, Starmer did, and we've talked about this before, uh, you know, he went out of his way to talk about the Falklands War, um, you know, personal family connection to it, um, which is, again, Starmer trying to sort of um, connect with the public. Um, and there have been various events this week, the um, uh, uh, memorial service and things, marking 40 years since the Falklands. So that's exactly, that's but that's, that's part, you know, I mean, Labour's three-point plan um, when they took over was, I'm not Jeremy Corbyn, well, that's what that is. Part two was introduce Keir Starmer to the public. Uh, my uncle was on HMS Antelope, uh, tick. Um, part three is have a plan for government and look like a... Uh, you know, a, a government in waiting. Um, that's what we may or may not see in the subsequent five questions. But he's, you know, he's um, ticked a couple of his boxes straight out, of, straight, uh, straight off the bat there. Um, um, well, let's uh, let's see where he goes next. Let's go back to the House of Commons. It's Keir Starmer. Question number two. 
Mr Speaker, he always likes to blame global forces, but global forces are just that, global. Everybody faces them. Britain isn't, isn't under crippling economic sanctions like Russia. No wonder he doesn't want to answer the question, why is the UK set for lower growth than every other major economy? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I, 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 think, I think everybody can see that I've just answered the question. Uh, once, once again, once again he's, gu- he's guilty of what my legal friends call ignoratio elenchi. He's failed, uh, he's failed to listen to what I've actually said, uh, Mr Speaker. Uh, what would be useful in supporting the UK economy right now would be if, he, if the leader of the Labour Party ended his sphinx-like silence about the RMT strikes coming up in the course of the next couple of weeks. Uh, will, he, will, he now, uh, will he now break with his shadow transport secretary and denounce Labour's rail strikes? <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, you've got to admire it, you, haven't you? I mean, <laughs> the, the, the skill of uh, performing that. I mean, even on question two, sometimes you might leave it a bit longer before doing, never mind that, let's talk about this. If you ever want to hear the sort of perfect Boris Johnson answer to a PMQ, that was it, wasn't it? It began with Ignatio Irenkai, some reference to some uh, uh, historical um, classic um, kind of thing. Um, It then... You know, I mean, to be fair to Boris Johnson, he did sort of answer the question, and his point is right that Starmer just read out his next question yeah. and didn't really think about it. I mean, you know, uh, bad luck for Starmer that that was the first time that Boris Johnson has attempted to answer the first yeah. question in about six months, but he sort of did. So, and you could hear even as Starmer was asking his second question, Tory MPs shouting out, "He did answer." Is it us? So, um, uh, but yeah, and then and then. A, a seamless pivot into the Sphinx and, you know, um, maybe Boris Johnson's going to start arguing that, you know, we're doomed economically because of the unions. But but to then term, term them Labour's rail strikes... Labour's rail strikes We're into the realms of, of full-blown yeah, yeah, yeah. chutzpah now. But uh, but so far, Johnson's having the better of this, I would say. I, th- I would say so. Uh, someone on the, on the YouTube channel said, I find myself a, le- a, a lot less excited about the fact that PM took Latin than he may assume. Uh, well, that's certainly the case. And there are people who are very good at Latin who say that uh, Johnson's uh, Latin and knowledge of the classics is sort of locked in a kind of O-level level kind <laughs> of... Uh, but for those of us that didn't study it, uh, it's always sort of mildly notable that it uh, happens quite so frequently. Uh, we should point out, I mean, the, it, the reason the government, the, or Boris Johnson, is trying to, uh, to to nail the Labour Party as Labour's rail strikes is because they're going to be really bad and the uh, um, network rail said half of lines are going to be... Uh, closed uh, next week, uh, which let, will have an economic impact. Which will have an economic yeah, impact and, and a political impact. And if you know, if there's a risk that people get cross with the government for it, if your train isn't going to take to work. So well, and those of us that have that wonderful memory of the Miliband leadership, um, where Ed Miliband was put on the yeah. spot and famously did that interview where he said these strikes are wrong about 19 times. These strikes are wrong. Everyone should put their differences aside and get back around the table. table. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, let's find out. I suspect, I might be wrong, I suspect uh, Keir Starmer's uh, not going to answer this question. Or maybe he will. Maybe we will use this opportunity to um, to respond on the question of whale strikes. Let's go back to the House of Commons, question number three. He's in government. Look, just to remind the Prime Minister, he seems to have gone. His Prime Minister's question is the opposition question. Keir Starmer. He's in government. He could do something to stop the strikes. But he hasn't lifted a finger. I don't want the strikes to go ahead, but he does. He wants, Mr Speaker, he wants 
wants the country to grind to a halt so he can feed off the division. And as, as for, Mr Speaker, as for his boasting about the economy, he, he thinks he can perform Jedi mind tricks on the country. <laughs> These aren't the droids you're looking for. No rules were broken. The economy is booming. The problem is the force just isn't with him anymore. He thinks he's Obi-Wan Kenobi. The truth is he's Jabba the Hutt. Last week, last week he stood there and boasted that we would continue to grow the economy. This week, it turns out, the economy shrank for the second month in a row. How does it help Britain to have an ostrich prime minister with his head in the sand? Uh, Let's just jump in there. I'm very confused. So... He's both an ostrich and Jabba the... I'm very... I mean, I'm not completely au fait with the Star Wars because it's children's films and I don't really like things that involve aliens and whatnot. I think Jabba the Hutt will be seen as fattest as well. He was quite the blob. Oh, yes, I'm aware of... Yeah, Um, but I don't really understand how we got from... I mean, that's quite a good line on the the rail strikes. I don't want them to happen. You want them to go ahead... and, and actually... Feed off the division. It almost felt... I don't know whether that was pre-planned or not, but that felt quite good, passionate, and actually is a... Uh, as a subtle political point, you know, Boris Johnson is provoking, you know, splits on Brexit, splits on strikes, you know, splits on the Rwanda stuff. This is all part of their election campaign, which is uh, to have divisive issues where people have to take a view one way or the other and to get Labour on what they would perceive to be the, the opposite side from uh, the bulk of the general public. So that's actually a good point from Starmer. But then to drift into a series of what can only be described as low to mediocre jokes well, I don't understand how we got on then. Onto Jedi the, 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 mind these tricks. Are, these, are the, these are not the drones that you're looking for. Well, that must be some quote from Star Wars. Yeah, I think he said it is. Ignorantly, but, but even... But it's a bit niche. What's it got to do with... I mean, we were talking about... And the Jabba the Hutt re- reference I don't understand at all. I mean, he was a sort of, you know... He's a baddie, isn't he, Jabba he's the a Hutt? Ba- yeah, he's a baddie, and he's a great big fat baddie. If somebody um, wants to get in touch with some more detailed uh, Star Wars uh, analysis... But when even, the, pe- when even the, the, the village geeks like us don't understand, yeah. have a clue what he's blathering on about... Um, is this, do you think this is him not being boring? This is him not being boring Go on, and, let's and do doing some jokes. Some jokes but, yeah. but the jokes, yeah... Well, anyway, let's go back and see what Boris Johnson's got to say responsible for that. There he goes again, Mr Speaker, running, running this country down uh, when, uh, when everybody... We've got, we've, got the highest, we've got the highest employment... Highest employment... Payroll employment. Look, no, payroll I the questions and the answers. And uh, whether you like it, but I genuinely believe it, the public who watch it also want to hear both. Prime Minister. I mean, Mr Speaker, we've got lower unemployment than France, Germany, Italy, Canada. Uh, we've, got the, we've got the highest number of people in payroll jobs, as I've just said, and 620,000 more since, uh, since records began. Uh, and he might like to know this, uh, that just in the first five months of this year, this country has attracted, I think, £16 billion of investment in its tech sector. Uh, he doesn't like these European comparisons, let's make it for him. Three times as much as Germany, twice as much as France, Mr Speaker. He should be talking this country up, not running it down. Yeah, I mean, I, well, there we are, yeah, running the country down. I mean, I think they're mainly talking him Running down. the country down, running the country down, running the country down. Yeah, was there anything else? I, I don't, don't think there was. I'm still confused. Jabba the Hutt's a fat criminal slob, says Nick in Wokingham. Well, that's Make it that way. Apparently it's droids, not drones. Did I say drones? Maybe it's just the idea of Keir Starmer talking about me thinking about drones. All made total sense to this Star Wars geek, says someone. 
And so, uh, Pete says, stop pretending that you've never watched Star Wars. I've never seen a whole Star Wars. I did try to watch one. I've watched, watched the first asleep. three. I didn't bother with the rest of them. Oh, no, um, I tell you that. I saw the one with the annoying chap with the big ears when that came out. Uh, What's his name? The Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks, exactly. Yeah. Who I'm sure will be making an appearance at PMQs at any I'm moment. I'm getting messages, though, from senior Tories as we speak saying he's seriously overcorrecting for boringness and I don't understand who's telling him to attempt these gags. Um, so they're quite amused for different reasons. I have a whole feeling that Patrick McGuire and I might be responsible for this, but we'll see how we go. This is PMQs Unpacked on Times Radio. Listen along on Times Radio. You can watch along on the Times Radio YouTube channel. Uh, let's go back to the House of Commons now. It's what? Question number... Four. 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 Yeah. That's the ostrich. He's not just denying how bad things are, he's actively making things worse. His 15 tax rises are throttling growth, and the director of the CBI is so fed up, he's reduced to saying, can we stop Operation Save Big Dog and move to action stations on the economy? Now, Mr Speaker, we know what the Prime Minister says about British business in private. I think that's pretty unparliamentary. But when did screwing business turn from a flippant comment into economic policy? Well, uh, Mr Speaker, look, I, just, I just reminded the House of what's happening in, uh, in Tech Week, uh, in this country, the massive investment that's coming in, uh, helped, by the way, by this uh, 130% super deduction for business investment that my right honourable friend, uh, the Chancellor, has put in. Never forget, Mr Speaker, uh, that labour, under, under Labour, taxes go up on businesses and on people. Uh, we're, cutting, we're not only putting 1200 more into people's pockets, we're having a tax cut worth £330. He talks about taxes. £330 on average for everybody who pays national insurance. Labour have already made spending commitments in this Parliament alone worth £94 billion more than the government has been. That's £2,100 for every household in the country, Mr Speaker. No wonder no Labour government has ever left office with unemployment lower than when they came in. Uh, my wife's been in touch. All PMQs should have Star Wars references, in my opinion, she says. Oh, that's fair enough. She's a big fan. Uh, other people are saying they liked the Star Wars, uh, the Star Wars um, jokes. I'm not sure we're getting uh, huge... I mean, there is... At the heart of the Boris Johnson... Boris Johnson keeps repeating this line. Under Labour, taxes always go up. But as Keir pointed out, is it 15 tax rises he talked about? That's they have right. put up national insurance despite a manifesto promise not to. That's true, but what Johnson says is also going to be part of the um, uh, election dynamic, which is that Labour's policy seems a lot of the time to be, well, we sort of agree with what you're doing, but we'll do a bit more of it. And he claims there's £94 billion of spending these uh, back-of-an-envelope calculations that political parties, too, tend to be double, triple counted. Um, but you can easily see, you know, Labour's tax bombshell posters. Um, <laughs> it won't be posters now. Of course, it'll be memes. Memes and, and tweets and, and tweets done in and bad fonts and, yeah. and all of that. £2,100 per household. I mean, you know, I think, I think the interesting thing about this week is that Boris Johnson is there at least for a bit and probably for quite a bit. Um, and Labour now know they're up against him. And this is the battle we're probably yeah, going to yeah. have for the next two years. This is sort of the first week of the rest of their lives. And here we are. Um, and it's a bit of a mess. And it's not an easy win for Labour in the way that a lot of them would think it ought to be. Um, and it, but I suppose going back to the conversation we were having right at the beginning... It, it feels a bit odd that we're, you know, the two big political stories dominating this week 
are uh, Rwanda, Rwanda and, and Northern, Northern Ireland. Ireland. And, and Keir he can't Starmer's touch either of them with a barge Can't pot. go near them. No. Can't, can't mount a, an argument around them. Uh, right, let's go back then. We'll continue PMQ's Unpacked. Question number five from Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, 15 tax rises and we're sat for the highest tax burden since rationing. <laughs> he says the economy is booming when it's shrinking. He's, he's, oh he's doing his funny laughing so much. Again. He, he, he thinks he's on Love Island. Trouble oh, is, there was another joke. Prime Minister, I'm on? reliably informed that contestants that give the public the ick get booted out. Yeah. And it's, it's not just low growth. He's also lost control of inflation. He was warned about this last September. And what did he do? He dismissed it. He didn't act. He sat on his hands. Now prices are through the roof and we're set to have the highest inflation in the G7. When will he accept he got it badly wrong when he claimed that worries about inflation were unfounded? Mr Speaker, we're helping people with the cost of living uh, with £1,200. On the 14th of July, the money will be going into people's bank accounts. Why can we do that, Mr Speaker? Because we have the fiscal firepower to do it, uh, because the economy is in robust shape, uh, with record numbers of people in payroll employment, uh, Mr Speaker. And that is thanks to the steps that we took uh, that he continuously opposed. And if he wants to, and I just remind Mr Speaker, he has a chance. I won't won't say this interrogatively, Mr Speaker. He has the chance now to clear it up. Uh, he can oppose the Labour's rail strikes right now. Say, he, can, he can disagree. He can disagree. And give him that opportunity. Let him disagree with the union barons who would add to people's costs in the coming weeks. I mean, again, I suspect we won't, we won't do that. I mean, a, a slither of news there was announced by uh, the Department of Work and Pensions this morning, if you weren't across that. Uh, July the 14th is the date that everyone will start getting uh, their some of the money, £326, uh, as part of the £1,200 support package this year. Uh, the rest are following a second instalment in the autumn. For, for normal people, that might be the single most interesting fact to emerge thus far. Uh, absolutely, definitely. Bastille Day. Bastille Day, there we are. And a mere, what, fortnight after potentially two um, by-election uh, results which might cause the Prime Minister some trouble. I'm sure they're doing it as quickly sure. as they can. I'm sure the two things are completely unconnected. Um, I don't really know what to say about Love Island. Do you, I mean, if you ever, I've definitely never seen a whole episode of Love Island. I wish I could say the same. Um, <laughs> the Shipman House. So you, you're, you're across what the ick is, are you? Well, I haven't watched this current series, but uh, I have been uh, known to... Um, it's a guilty pleasure sometimes. Um, I mean, you could argue that Love Island references with Boris Johnson is a clever way of talking about his slightly exotic private life, and this is a very subtle and uh, amusing way of attacking the Prime Minister. Contemporary, with the times, the sort of thing that the punters out there will it's understand. What the young people want. What the young people want, until you look at the faces on the Labour benches behind him and hear the slightly awkward, shuffled laughter of those that are trying to be supportive and the gaping silence of those that wonder what on earth he is doing. Well, because we've just had quite a lot of... Um, so we've had, what, Star Wars, ostriches. He's so far... And ostriches, gone... by the way, don't bury their heads in the sand. It's a little-known fact that... Um, <laughs> um, 
Ostriches are much maligned. So, so far, Boris, uh, Keir Starmer in this PMQs is described Boris Johnson as being like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Jabba the Hutt, an ostrich and a contestant on Love Island. Well, I think the, the thing with these sort of references, if they capture something that is the sort of essence of the Prime Minister um, in a way that the public can comprehend, um, that can be really, really valuable and it can become something that he jabs at him time and time again and that you know, rattles Boris Johnson, upsets him and labels him in a way that, you know, the average punter that doesn't pay that much attention to politics understands, then that can be a hugely beneficial thing. The trouble is he does five or six of these when he gets on a roll. None of them really sticks. It, and a lot of them don't seem to make any sense to start with. And, and it's, the, it's the what the constant search for the uh, Vince Cable's uh, Gordon Brown's transformation from Stalin to Mr B. Yeah, perfect. Perfect, because it, it was a cultural reference which fitted with, you'd expect... Vince Cable to know who Mr Bean was. It yep. felt authentic, but it also spoke to... Yeah, but Gordon Brown has gone from being the clunking fist to a bit of a joke figure. And I'm just not sure any of that is uh, necessarily um, cutting it. Uh, somebody, Tony in London, says, the more I hear boys speak, the more I detest him. What is the answer to any of the questions? I think he has a bit. I mean, you might not like the answers, but he's slightly more engaging with them. Uh, somebody else says, can we please put Starmer out of his misery? He's woeful. Always good to hear from somebody in the shadow cabinet. <laughs> Uh, um. <laughs> it's a serious point, though. I've, I've, I've had at least three conversations in the last fortnight with people saying well, the perfect outcome of this period is for Boris Johnson to be wounded by everything that's happened in his party and for Durham police to intervene and remove Keir Starmer as leader of the Labour Party. Uh, someone says, uh, Anthony says, expecting a reference to Bart Simpson at some point. So, well, let's find out. Who knows where Keir Starmer's going to go? This is a, his final question. Question number six on PMQ's Unpacked. Mr Speaker, I don't want the strikes to go ahead. He does so he can feed on the division. Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker, they're they're making a lot of noise now, but I've got a long list here of what his MPs really think of him. Dragging everyone down. Who who said that? This is a brave Who was it said that? Authority, Authority is destroyed. Come on, hands up. Which of you was it? Which of you? Come on. Can't, can't win back trust. Anybody owning up? You're very quiet now. Hands, hands. Mr Speaker. This is Mr. basically Speaker, what Patrick and I suggested you should have done last my week. My personal favourite, my personal favourite is this. This is a document, circ- document circulated by his backbench in which they call him the Conservative Corbyn. Prime Minister, I don't think that was intended as a compliment. (laughs) Week after week, week after week, he stands there and spouts the same nonsense. The economy's booming. Everything's going swimmingly. The people should be grateful. But whilst he's telling Britain that we never had it so good, millions of working people and businesses know the reality. Britain's growth is going to be slower than our competitors and our inflation higher. A Prime Minister who sounds totally deluded, totally failing on the economy, failing to tackle... I think we need to get to the end of the question, but in the... Oh, Keir Starmer's just getting to his stride there. Lindsay Hall's cut him off. I will hear the end of the question in silence. Any more noise in this corner? It'll be another cup of tea early if we're not careful. Keir Starmer... (laughs) 
a prime minister who sounds totally deluded, totally failing the economy, failing to tackle inflation, failing to back business, failing to help working people through the crisis. And, Mr Speaker, his big idea, go back to imperial measurements. He's got 80s inflation, 70s stagnation, now he wants 60s weights to complete the set. When is he going to ditch the gimmicks and face up to reality that under him Britain's economy is going backwards? Let's see the Prime Minister. Prime Minister. A couple of quick points about uh, Mr Corbyn, uh, right on the Bridlington North. Uh, first of all, he tried repeatedly uh, to get him elected as Prime Minister. Uh, Se- secondly, speaking, speaking from experience, uh, he's, relatively, he's relatively dynamic uh, by comparison uh, with the right honourable gentleman, uh, Mr Speaker. Dynamic and coherent. It might be helpful if you speak to me. I'm struggling to hear because of the noise on both sides. So please, if you, if you, if you, if you look to the chair, it'll be easier for both of us. But what we're going to get on and do, Mr Speaker, is continue to take the tough decisions to take this country forward and uh, decisions that are on the side of the British people, Mr Speaker. Uh, they're, they're blatantly on the side of the RMT union barons. When there are some ticket offices that barely sell one ticket per hour, uh, Mr Speaker, we are on the side of the travelling uh, public. Uh, by the way, he hasn't mentioned this, but they're on the side of the people traffickers who are risk people's lives at sea, Mr Speaker. And we, we are on the side of people who come here safely and legally. Safely and legally, Mr Speaker. They carp and snipe from the sidelines. That's what, what they've always done. We take the big decisions to take this country forward. And no matter how much Welly, no matter how much Welly, his right honourable friend, the deputy leader, may ask him to apply, it doesn't matter how much Welly he pretends to apply, when that Welly, Mr Speaker, is always on the left foot. That's a reference to uh, Angela Rayner, who uh, last week gave an interview to the BBC where she said she uh, wished that uh, Keir Starmer put a bit more Welly into it. I mean, he certainly had more welly this week, too. He did. One feels a little bit like the man who waves his legs around and his wellies fly off in slightly different directions. But, um, you know, I mean, it had some energy. It had some life. Um, he's trying to use humour, which I always, you know, I mean, we complain when he doesn't use it and yeah. he becomes the sort of earnest lawyer. Um, but I think he needs to find something that's going to stick. If he can find a good line that, that he can use against Boris Johnson time and again, something like Captain Hindsight that gets used against him, you know, which Johnson, I've heard it in focus groups, it does stick a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Johnson's last reply there was, you know, I mean, on the ticket offices that sell one ticket an hour, Boris Johnson had all that in London when the ticket offices yeah, yeah. were being closed. Uh, he tended to just bow down to the RMT himself when he was mayor because it was a lot simpler, um, which is an interesting point that someone might make. But, um, you know, when you then start saying Labour on the side of the people traffickers, you, you know we're into the realms of uh, exotic rhetoric. Um, but also, I mean, there's also Boris Johnson always slightly annoyed that Keir Starmer hasn't asked him about the things he'd like, you know, so he, he really wanted Keir Starmer to ask him about railways and Rwanda. Yes. Uh, and having not done that, he just threw it back at him. Uh, anyway, uh, you are you are all bitterly divided, it seems, over how Keir Starmer's uh, done today. Um, uh, some of you liked the hands-up bit. That was, I mean, that was quite good. We talked about that last week. There's so much material. Keir Starmer did it a tiny bit last week. I'm curious that Boris Johnson didn't hit him back with, you know, 
Well, who said that you were, you know... Yeah, boring everyone to death. Yeah, I mean, f- that would have been the obvious response. I thought that was what, what Boris Johnson would have done at that point. So yeah, Rob says, hands up, bit is good, so is Conservative Corbyn. Uh, and then the next person says, this is desperate... Tom says, this is desperate stuff from Starmer. You should ask pointed, short, specific questions and not offer speeches. I suppose it's all slightly in the eye of the beholder. That's true, but I think the, the way to judge the day outcome today was to look at people in the chamber. And if you look at the Tory front bench, they were cock-a-hoop today. Pretty Patel sitting there grinning. Even Rishi Sunak, who often sits there with his arms folded, looking like he'd rather be anywhere else in the world than supporting yeah, Boris Johnson. He was heckling across the across the aisle, and you know, I will there say, was cheering in, behind. You know, when in Keir Starmer's defence, uh, which is you know my my um, default position, I thought his line on the strikes was pretty good. Yes, no, that was very good. I thought I thought uh, it was a shame he ended up then repeating it word for word, suggesting it was a pre-planned, yes. pre-scripted thing. But his line that you're the one who wants the strikes to go ahead, I don't want them to go ahead, you're trying to say And that's division. an important thing to get out there into the yeah, sort of, yeah. you know, if, if all the big ideas about this government, you know, those of us that write about politics write about their, you know, their strategy of, of finding wedge issues and, and people don't know what a wedge issue is unless they're busy yeah. paying attention. But, you know, if you can get it so that, you know, that gets out into the sort of, public domain, yeah. that's a very worthwhile thing to have done because that's precisely what this government... And actually, you know, that would have been a route into things like Rwanda and Northern Ireland. Yes. It, Boris Johnson's not interested in solving problems, he's interested in sowing division. That was might have been a way of tackling those issues could without... Have sewn it all together with that. There we go. We've, 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 we've solved we've, it again. We've solved it again. Well, given that last week Answer we suggested he read out some of the off-the-record quotes from Conservative yep. MPs, well, maybe, maybe next week... Maybe I'll have a go at it next week. <laughs> yeah. next week. Uh, well, there we are. I, I thought Keir Starmer hit the back of the net today after putting out six over the bar last week, says Kevin. And uh, someone on Twitter says, it never ceases to amaze me, the ignorance of these presenters oh. who have no idea of the real people in the street and Star Wars and Love Island. I don't mean to upset you, but the people in Star Wars are not real. Uh, then again, they are from the Johnson class, apparently. Although not you, Tim, because you do watch Love Island. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. And we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcasts from? <laughs> 